You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Welcoming us today is Troy Taylor, high performance expert, uh, previously at, at US Ski and Snowboard, currently at the Tonal Strength Institute, uh, and very generous with his time today. Two-time guest on Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast, which if you do miss today's recording and you see it on LinkedIn, we will be releasing as a podcast. Um, so that's something to bear in mind in the future. Um, so now you'll be three times guest. I think you've got the crown for the most uh, <laughs> the most attended. So I, so I thanks. Keep... So you must be you must be doing something right then if we keep having you back. I I keep saying yes. That's probably about the only thing. But uh, uh, I appreciate no, it. no, we appreciate... have yeah we have don't that that makes it sound like we don't have the the pick of the litter. We do. We <laughs> we have lots of options. Um, so thank you for being on today as well. I appreciate you having me back. Look forward to chatting today, for sure. Definitely. Uh, so as people join, um, leave questions. Uh, we'll kind of get to them. Uh, if not, Troy and I will just have a great chat. Like I said, really enjoy talking to Troy, all things high high performance sport, um, connected fitness, uh, and then sports tech generally, but also the interplay between the two. So, I mean, that's probably um, that's probably a relatively good point to kind of start with um is what's been the most exciting advances uh kind of breakthroughs with connected fitness and, and more broadly sports technology in the last year yeah i, I guess I'm, I'm really fortunate in my role having come from sort of very much the elite sport background and, and and almost sort of myopically focused on the sports tech side of the business and now um, sort of leading a performance team in tonal, you know, my day job is very much around the connected fitness space and kind of keeping observations around that. And it's it's really interesting to see the synergies and crossovers between the two industries and, and where one sort of leading the other or picking up from the other and, and sort of, the, I guess, the synergies between them. I think I think what I've seen this year, and, and hopefully I'm not overly biased in this, is I think for the first time we're starting to scratch significantly the difference between sort of connected technology, connected sports tech, connected fits tech, which is, you know, you know, connecting to the internet, collecting data, you know, wearables, whether it's Tonal or it's Whoop or it's Aura or it's, you know, Catapult or Stats or any of your other devices and, and collecting data and reporting on that data and, and having a shift towards at least a little bit towards more intelligent tech an intelligent decision making and intelligent fitness tech. And um, I certainly see that's the future. I think, you know, um, yeah, we're starting to see that a little bit uh, where, you know, particularly the organizations with the larger databases that have been doing this for a few years now have, you know, significant amount of data to feed their algorithms to start making informed decisions. And I think that becomes kind of, you know, quite quite significantly game changing in not just being able to set, you know, cutoffs, bandwidths, markers, you know, going into my athlete management system or whatever it might be setting, you know, if I see a Z score change or a standard deviation change of this, and it's very much me or, or a sports science or high performance team sort of proactively going out and setting the boundaries versus technology now having enough data backing behind it to be able to start making informed decision making that I may not have known to start with or at least providing me with those insights and that that things so it's it's more user gen or, or more technology generated insights rather than just sort of the bandwidth and yeah I, I think we're starting to see that um certainly within tonal um we worked on a few projects where we're starting to do that quite a lot now with some of our user data and sort of using normative histories of them and how they operate um you know the large data sets that we have and how we can kind of 
essentially make better recommendations, whether it's on suggested weights and training programs or rep ranges or things like that. Um, and I think with, you know, some of the larger, larger, you know, fitness into sport tech companies, you're starting to see that with, you know, early detection of illness, um, or at least early identification, potentially, um, you know, and, and sort of sort of working around there. And so I think that's probably the most exciting, because I think that's something that people like me and you, we've been speaking about for mm. probably five to 10 years. Um, and I, I think, I think we're on the verge of it. I don't think we're fully, fully all the way there. I don't think we certainly are you know, doing everything that can possibly be done in that space. But I think there is definitely a move to more intelligent fitness, which I think, yeah, gains the change. It, it changes the game. It, it scales a lot of this technology in a way um, that isn't necessarily, you know, human looking at it dependent, which becomes pretty powerful. Yeah, and I take it at both ends of the market in terms of the consumer, prosumer, and then pro sports. For pro sports, it's it's enabling that essence strength and conditioning coach or high performance director more time to work on the minutiae that they want to. Um, and then for a consumer, it gives them insights. I think that's something for me over the last probably two years and especially kind of post-pandemic explosion in this area is what's giving actionable insights um, rather than what is just another digital bathroom scales. What is giving you a piece of information without any context, without any action, um, and without any kind of longitudinal context as well, which which I think is is so important, especially if people are going to keep using these rather than try and start for a bit and then fall off the bandwagon, so to speak. So, um, I think I think it's essential for for user engagement to be able yeah. to feed feed that back, not just report it in a graph and, a, and kind of there. And I think in the elite sports side, like it's it's big data that feeds these and really big data that feeds them. And so from a sort of a tonal perspective or a fitness connected uh, space, you're certainly, you're working with lots of larger ends. Um, but I think if you, if you look at what some of the sort of more advanced AMSs are now doing in athlete management systems uh, within elite sport now, you know, they've been around for four, five, 10 years um, of the same kind of collecting data over multiple cycles. You've had multiple athletes come through here, development systems and sort of sort of talking to people in that space. I think they're getting to the same point um, where they can now start sort of mining that for intelligent things. So I think the same kind of trend is happening. The data on the connected fitness side is much larger, you know, ends in the hundreds of thousands to millions of people, um, much smaller on there, but some of the, yeah, athlete management systems, some of the injury, let's say identification systems um, and, and kind of things to start making there. So I think the same trend is happening in both spaces. Great. And, and taking a bit of a negative viewpoint on the other side, what's been overblown? What's been something that if we were recording this this time last year, 12 months ago, um, either something that you were excited about that hasn't come to fruition or something that is maybe a bit of industry snake oil that, um, that's been pushed but hasn't quite reached where it should have? I think... There's lots that I'd love to come to fruition that hasn't. You're <laughs> always, just a list. I, just I, a I li just like, Troy's hit list. Yeah. Troy's naughty list coming yeah. into Christmas. Yeah. No, I think in these types of podcasts, we're always like, you know, we 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 see the the chink of something that could be, and we're like, oh, in 12 months that's going to be happening. And sort of working now, you know, making the transition from full-time elite sport to full-time sort of sort of fitness sports tech. Product development is hard, man. Yeah. It takes a long time with really, really smart people. You add in hardware to that and supply chains and the other, it's, 
I have a newfound, significantly newfound appreciation for how difficult that some of this is. And I used to sort of, you know, I wouldn't say laugh, but I, I kind of like, you know, I'd go into four or five years ago, I'd be working with a startup, a series A or, or a seed company, and they'd go to a venture company. And as soon as you said the hard, uh, hardware, like the venture capital, it's just like, they're walking out of the room before you've even finished. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, give us a chance. It's not that hard. And now I, I kind of, you know, get to work for a company that does hardware. Setting that stuff up takes time. It's challenging. There's a lot of, of pieces to, to, to kind of fall into place or that you have to work into place. So, so number one, I'd say, yeah, I think we always in these types of spaces, we're always like, okay, well, there's a, there's a kink of a chink of something. There's something that might be, you know, in 12 months. And really it's probably 24 to 36 before it's yeah. even like an MVP in the space. And so I think things take longer than, than we should expect. Saying that um, and, and not knocking anyone or any particular product um a because i think it's hard and, and, and b because i don't know you know they're intimately their business models and, and what they're doing but i i was really excited the last couple of years um i was working at, at ski team for the focus on mental mental health um we parted with you know brett rapkin and the weight of gold team speedy foundation and sort of you know just i think awareness that the elite sport has to do much better job of developing whole and rounded athletes and what i was really excited about is that seemed to be trickling through to the entire population as well um there was a focus on sort of mental health apps and kind of there and i think the ones that are connecting you uh, people with you know, genuine credentialed professionals and certified licensed experts, I think are awesome. I've been a little disappointed maybe with some of the more homemade, ready-made sort of less qualified kind of pieces and, and theirs. And I think they're seeing it in their adoption and churn rates. Um, I was hoping that that might be a lot more sticky and we could provide really more validated science-backed information in that space. So I think that's been a little diff a little tricky because I thought that would be really useful um, in obviously to the general population, but also within sport development systems. Um, it's really tough having, you know, run a national sport development system for the ski team and 40,000 athletes trying to get them all to, you know, licensed psychologists and mental health experts is a real challenge. And so I thought technology would be helpful. I've been a little disappointed with maybe where some of that's gone. Again, not necessarily all companies, because I think there's some doing well, but I think as a market as a whole, I think it's been a little oversold. Um, I think the other area, we, we spent a lot of time this year, I spent a lot of time, we just released a, a new product at Tonal, a new feature called SmartView, which is a computer vision based um, technology, uses your camera and phone. So I did a lot of diving into computer vision, sort of movement tech. And I think some of the AI algorithms, the post estimation models that companies have got are incredible. What I was kind of disappointed with, and maybe hasn't lived up to it is, the skill acquisition, the motor learning side, the feedback mechanisms that are integrated into a lot of those systems. Like, how do people learn? Not can I detect that this joint is here or that joint is there, but how do people learn and how do I feed this information in a way that's going to be really useful? Um, and and I so think, yeah. just to jump, just to jump in there. So is that so? Kind of the AI stuff, pose estimation. I mean, the one I go to is weightlifting as an example, because it's something that people can grasp and you know what position the body should be in terms of angles and things like that. There's no other um, extraneous factors. You can set that. It's it's probably the, one of the clearest ways that you can say, this is right, this is wrong, and you can feed it in there, you know, to a, to a degree. Um, is it one of those things that it's picking up, well, the wrist position is wrong, Um 
that's that's good and that, that's being delivered. But then what's happening is then the feedback saying, well, this is how you fix it still requires that coaching element. And then that, yeah. that's where that bridge is that it's it's context, it's uh, information without context. Back to our earlier point around actually getting um, actionable insights and then feedback. Is it just not quite getting to that point yet? Yeah, I think I think on the whole, and again, there are yeah. companies that are doing it really well and not. But I would say, as like you know, we I did an analysis. I think of twenty or thirty of the most commonly products, whether it's in the more traditional, let's say, weightlifting type movement exercises, more in the physio screening type exercises, maybe more in the sport specific type of you know. There's some environments, say sprinting and others, where you can kind of you kind of do it. And I think it's it's a typical or a very common problem. I think you find in technology, it's really tough like AI machine learning pose tech to, to solve. Like I couldn't solve it. There's no chance yeah. in this world that I can think. And so companies spend a lot of time making their products good, which I think is exactly the right thing. But then layering in the the motor learning, the science, the coaching expertise of what to do that is is actually a science of its own and tricky in its own right. And how you do that and how you do that at scale um, and incorporating those concepts um, is is tricky and I don't think a lot of companies have, have cracked that bit yet. So we are giving, we're providing information to practitioners to be able to make informed decisions. I think that's good. Um, but as a, like a standalone solution where I or an athlete can go and use it and train it and know, I don't think we're there yet. We're still reliant on the human for the most part. Um, and I think I think that technology becomes really, un, you know, unlocks a lot of potential in both the sort of sports tech world and in the fitness tech world is once you can, let's say, AI assisted coaching, um, you can kind of bring in that component of, OK, well, not only can I measure this really well, but I know that you respond to this type of feedback. I know that uh, early in your learning experience, I want to give you tons of feedback, tons of video um, I'm going to kind of really positively reinforce. I'm then, you know, over time, like a good coach, well, I'll reduce that feedback. I'll let you figure stuff out, um, you know, let you reflect on it yourself because we know that that's, that's better for learning and retention. And so how do you bring in all of those sort of skill acquisition and motor learning components into a productization of computer vision? Because I think once you can do that, then I think you're in a really special space for being able to um, unlock skill development um, and development not just provide feedback yeah and is that a when not an if like to take your example as well with mental health one of the big challenges with that is mental health you can't think of a more personalized thing than mental health in terms of trying to help someone coach someone on that obviously the human body is um is is a similar thing in terms of how people move and, and that individual is it just one of those things that you just reach a point and then you enter that kind of uncanny valley to borrow, borrow a term from um um game design uh where it's just so close but it's not quite there that you always have that human element like it's one of those things that we're, we're actually yeah you just that shouldn't it actually shouldn't be the aim to completely get rid of that it should just be get it to the point that you can i guess um use that as a force multiplier so you can have one psychologist or one strength and conditioning coach working with so many people but at the end of the day you're still going to need that human element yeah and i i think that comes back to a lot of um i guess how 
how small a minute change and how important is that change to make and, and, and therefore how scalable do you need it to be? If we're talking about an NBA player and they're coming back from, you know, a, a major surgery, you know, I'm going to send them to P3 and Marcus Elliott and we're going to do yeah. the motion capture and the force plates and you kind of things. And there's going to be a human that's interpreted and they're going to mine their huge database of, of insights to be able to sort of turn and progress because we're talking, you know, fractions of zero, 1% are, is, you know, really the difference between them being able to come back and, you know, be a, a franchise player and also, you know, someone that, you know, maybe, maybe gets a five minutes after uh, five minutes in a game. So at that level, I don't think we're going to get quote, quote, rid of humans. Um, yeah. Know, when you, when your ACL is worth multiple yeah. million dollars, <laughs> multiples yeah, yeah. of millions of dollars. You're willing to invest a bit yes, more time yeah, in an effort yeah, yeah, making sure yeah. it's right. But I do think yeah. in, even in that scenario, when I actually think in that scenario, I think one of the things that Marcus is doing is actually using the data to be able to make informed decisions by that. I think once you go, you know, one, two or three layers back from that, um, I think there's the possibility to certainly to scale it at a much larger and things. A lot of the things we're not talking, we're, we're, we're generally talking about and pretty common in the research literature for coaching they're not the world's best coach this is the foundations of coaching principles if you went to a u.s skin snowboard level 100 coach or, or to hockey or to soccer or to any of them they would teach you some fundamentals of motor learning those i think are codifiable um, and i think tone has actually done it to, to an extent in in sort of the product that we've released now it's not it's got a long way to go it's not here to, to kind of say we, we've sold everything, but but I think you have to integrate motor learning and skill acquisition experts into that development process if you want to enhance their knowledge. It's not necessarily a biomechanist or it's not necessarily a data engineer or data scientist to do that. You have to have this other skill set around learning expertise, which is ultimately what, you know, in a lot of the fitness and sports, we're trying to get people to learn. Um, and so how can technology help us do that? But we haven't necessarily integrated the people that are real experts in that side into the product development piece. So uh, I think I think it's coming. So I do I don't think we're ever going to do it at the top end for the for the yeah for the multi million dollar contracts. But I think for sport development, maybe even to like academy level, um, maybe that's more like you know one to twenty rather than having been one to five. Um, yeah. And then and then to the general population, I think we can get you know, 90, 90 plus percent of the way there with the technology based solutions um, as we as we integrate them into the product development side. Well, to, to your point around that, that top end, that kind of high performance space and, and marrying your two interests and, and two worlds that you've um, play in, how is Tonal being used and other connected devices that most people would just think as consumer devices? Um, and I would even put things like Whoop in that that point. Obviously, they didn't start there, but now that's where they are. They're going after that mass market. How are they being used in professional sporting settings? Yeah, I think it's I think it's different for every company. And you know, Whoop kind of, as my understanding, you know, um, I've never worked for Whoop, but I I did use them in twenty fifteen or sixteen, pretty early uh, at ski team. Um, you know, we were you were you weren't you uh. They pitched you, and you almost had a chance to uh, invest in them. Uh, I think we were we were on the early. Some of our board members, I believe, were, were kind of involved. Yeah, and I I didn't think it was anything. So that's just what I know about sports. <laughs> so when we do this in seven so just years, tune, tune <laughs> yeah. off now. This guy knows yeah. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was like, 
it's funny um yeah not for my bank balance it's not funny but um yeah we were we were definitely definitely got spoke to to will and those guys way back in 2015 when he's 2016 and they were very much at the elite sport end right and then and then obviously as they scaled they went down and very successfully see slow and, and kind of kind of worked across there so i think they sort of it's like got a slightly different model i think you know, us and maybe Aura started very much in the connected fitness space and then have got adoption in the elite sport um, kind of community. I'd say it's really interesting. We're probably in, I don't know, a hundred or so elite performance facilities across the US, probably a thousand elite athletes homes, um, which, you know, is decent adoption without being crazy. It's never been our, our key marketplace. But every time, you know, we onboard or, or given you, you know, work with, an, with a performance coach, uh, you know, with a tonal, they were shocked about, wow, consumer tech can do this, um, you know. And there's a lot of good high-end technology out there in, in the, the training space. I'm not, I'm not going to kind of deny that, like, you know. 1080 motion and there's you know tons of devices that these can use and when you're you know working for an nba team an nfl team a collegiate team um your weight room is full of multiple different technologies and so like you know we but we always get the same shocked i'm surprised that the consumer tech can do this and the applications and i think that's where we we really find our special place with with elite teams is being yes we can be in the training facility but we can also be in the athlete's home and that yeah. bridge between the two becomes a really really special place because you know athletes more and more often you know sometimes they use the team coaches sometimes they don't you think about in collegiate sport there's only like so many hours that you know contact hours that you're allowed to be able to be coached um, can we offset some of that by being in dorm rooms and things? And so we, we find that's where our sweet space is. Um, you know, yes, being a, a really valuable tool in the training space, but really being that bridge between where the athletes train it and kind of there. But it does, I will say, like it divide, it requires different product development than purely a consumer model. Um, and that's something that we've sort of, you know, I'd say wrestled with internally or talked about internally of like, you know, how much time and energy do we spend doing the product development for this, what's still a relatively smallish market. You know, you start going high school and then it's much bigger, 8 million high school kids and kind of things. But from a sort of business point of view, um, you know, how much time should we spend developing tools that would allow, say, um, a collegiate SNC coach to program for their entire team or to get data out of the system on a more than a one-to-one, -one, but a one-to-many basis um, uh, and, and things like that. And so that that becomes kind of the, I, I guess, the, the sort of the place of where, like, how does a company divide its resources and how does yeah. it focus focus its effort uh, to do that? But the the, the adoption the, or the reaction is always the same. Like, people love the kind of technology. Um, I was obviously super surprised when I first used something like Tonal. I was like, I was pretty skeptical um, that it could be, you know, useful uh, in in an elite sport environment. And not only is useful, uh, but it can provide some sort of unique, unique opportunities. And we hear that and see that um, pretty much every time we we talk to an elite coach. But I think that that bridge between home and home and uh, training space becomes a really interesting space for us. So is it fair to say there's a there's a lag between um, professional strength and conditioning coaches, high-performance staff, um, realising what the prosumer and, and, and kind of consumer products can do and then actually using it with their athletes? Is it, is it one of those things that we're the, we're the top of the tree and we don't think that's going to be good enough for athletes? And then 
you actually use it and you go, wow, this is, you know, this has the potential. Like, is it, it and also is, if you're going to point at that, is that one of those things that the industry has just gone like that so quickly that from where it was maybe five years ago and they were using similar products to where it is now, to your example of Whoop, you know, where that was in 2015 to where that is now and kind of the development's gone through. Is, is that the explanation between the two? Yeah, it's, I don't think there's a, like um, a wide brush that you can blank everything with. Cause I yeah. think like, you know, some of our earliest adopters were in elite sport in the bubble in NBA, um, you know, let's have tonal, you know, before I ever worked for the company, we, you know, got, got mass adoption. That's how we got into so many athletes home. So I think, I think like most sports or, or most professions, there's early adopters and, and laggers um in terms of doing that those that are sort of willing to push the boundaries and those that are, that are more sort of comfortable with the way things are currently being done um so i don't i don't know if it's like a, a lag there i think like there are unique um differences between those environments and and like unless you are immediately adding value and not detracting any time or any any obstacle in an elite sport environment it's very tough to get adoption very quickly and so, you know, that's not the product that, that, you know, we develop, we develop a product for homes and then you're sort of utilizing it in those environments. So I think there's a couple of reasons that play into it. Um, and I think there was a, a surprising, uh, uh, I guess, a surprising terms for the quality and the, the functionality of a product that comes out of consumer fitness. Um, you know, I, I remember all the way those years back when, when we was talking about that and I was like, well, you know, first beats what heart rate variability is at, and I got to sleep with it on. And, um, you know, I was, I was very much a purist in that had to be the, you know, the 99.99% accuracy in terms of that. And, and maybe some of the consumer wearables are, you know, two, three, four, 5% less, but adoption is 99% higher. So it's willing to give up that, you know, after so many weeks, don't, um, only so many athletes are willing to wear a heart rate monitor overnight and you know it disturbs their sleep more so the opportunity cost of doing it probably gives me messier data and so i think i think you see that um probably across the industry in terms of the adoption but i think there's high levels of adoption within it now it's just finding like what tool are you within the elite coaches toolbox um and then in some of that i find there's there's other startups that are coming in and utilizing not in toner space, but utilizing other people's hardware to provide maybe more an elite sport kind of um, dashboard or data things. Uh, I think of like a company like Own It, um, you know, Res Mortar, they use Whoop and Aura um, for collegiate teams, but provide, you know, more data that was relevant to those people, whereas they're, you know, I'm guessing Whoop and Aura's primary business is on their consumer business. That's the largest scale. So these other companies are coming partnering with some of these larger sports tech companies to provide bespoke solutions to what is an important, but maybe a smaller category. I think that's a really interesting um, way of sort of uh, getting a product that has really good market fit within this sort of more elite sport environment, but utilizing the hardware um, and the supply chain and all the things that make technology hard from a big company. I think it'd be interesting to see if that 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 kind of model uh, happens with other, with well, other technology devices. Yeah, and that, and that indicates that a market is reaching a certain maturity when you have basically systems integrators and third-party integrators across that. I mean, that's something that exists um, in tech generally, you know, broad umbrella term of tech, the amount of um, enormous companies that that's all they do is, is just take a suite of, of preferred 
um, products, whether that's hardware or software, um, and then package it for a certain industry. I mean, I think uh, the way technology is used in, in the medical uh, industry, yeah. for instance, is just because the needs and the requirements, you know, you add things like HIPAA requirements in the US in terms of protecting data. How do you package it? How do you, all that kind of stuff. If you can put that out to a third party and says, we'll protect all this, we'll package this, and then we'll um, put it through. So I think maybe someone like a breakaway data are falling into that. Um, just yep. what they've been doing with packaging data and, and how they um, give athletes access to it as well. Cause that's another growing trend is athletes wanting to, um, take ownership of their data, both from a uh, kind of IP commercial interest point of view, but also just to get better is, is yeah. be able to access it and and see it. Um, so it's it, it's interesting to see that, which was being talked about for a long time. It's, it's one of those things that it, it's happened incrementally and then all at once. Um, and I'd say the same for connected fitness in terms of um, back to our first point around feeling like it's getting there and then all of a sudden it, it hits mainstream or it hits a critical mass. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a, a, a snowball effect that, that that is is playing on some of that. And I think, I think you know, as we as almost as we look forward, I think I, I suspect I said this the last time that I was on, but like I think the, the biggest breakthrough is more the, the the integration between discrete data sets into a complete picture. I can't remember, but I, I, it's something that I believe should be should have happened for the last five plus years. You know. The AMS, not just you know from a from an elite athlete, but from a consumer tech kind of point of view too. And I feel that's that's more likely to happen with these solutions where you know a dedicated company can get this suite and can bring in its aura aura data, its group data, its you know catapult data, stat sports data, its tonal data, LPS data, whatever you want to kind of kind of go in there to. To, to give a more complete picture, because I think we're making intelligent, starting to make intelligent decisions based on the data sets that we have, but we only have a piece of the pie, right? We only know, you know, I know on tonal how much someone lifted, what speed they lifted at, what was the force output, what was the fatigue, how close to failure, but but I don't know how they slept. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, kind of things. And so I think, it, yeah, again, it's that, yeah, it's the yeah, AMS, AMS for the consumer um, to, to be able to do that, because I think that's how people need to package it to, to know what you can do. Like, um, I think even elite sport teams are struggling with being able to interpret the amount of data and kind of making actionable insights quicker. And so, um, and certainly, you know, empowering consumers, they don't have all day to be monitoring their acute chronic work ratios or whatever their, their particular hot flavor of the day is to know what they should do tomorrow. Um, so they're going to have to have that sort of done for them a little bit. And so I think that's, that's hopefully a, a space that we can make headway on in the next year um, as a, as a wide industry. Um, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, you know, with market conditions, the way they are and access to capital and things like that of, of kind of how the industry moves forward in the next sort of, 12-ish months with potential recession, impending recession, depending on exactly your characterization. Yeah, I, I think there's less private and public, you know, capital will be being pumped into sports techs generally in the last sort of six months. I think that's probably likely to continue, which, you know, I think means companies like us with, you know, decent amounts of, of annual recurring revenue and sort of sustainable businesses are going to focus on being profitable. Um, and, and how do you do that? And that doesn't mean that you're stopping innovation by any stretch of the imagination, but you are, you know, you're not necessarily shooting for the stars and spending, you know, significant sums of, of resources on, on that side. So I think there's an opportunity for some of those, you know, smaller companies, I think in other recessions in the past, 
Um, typically, that's where you see some of the real small, you know, nimble companies pop up. I think, you know, Airbnb and others popped out of recessions after 08. And I think that's a common trend. And so it'd be interesting watching that space um, and see if there's these small startups. I, I highly doubt in the hardware space, particularly, but in other spaces um, to see how if they can pop up and provide some solutions, um, maybe while companies like ours would uh, focus on, on being profitable um, and, and how we integrate or, or how that plans out, I think would be interesting. Yeah, the uh, the consolidation um, that'll happen in the industry is especially in a economic downturn, which I think you can just, what is it? A, a recession is too negative Two, two negative depends, quarters depends of on your, your, That's depends the technical on your country, term. Country whatever. thing, but yeah. yeah the, 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 graph, the graph going like this, not like this, um, I think is the, the definition. But yeah, that in that um, when money's not cheap and it's not given away um, as easily, is going, well, how are you building your business? And I think the fundamentals of that, and hopefully we do, we see a kind of second generation of, well, I guess, uh, We'll be second, third generation of kind of connected fitness and, and sports tech companies that are coming out of, well, the industry has reached a critical mass. It is much more on the mainstream consciousness. It's not just folks like you and I talking about it all day, every day, um, boring people at barbecues. Um, <laughs> it's actually something that is going, well, it's entering the mainstream consciousness, which also is entering mainstream markets, larger markets. Um, to your point around um, platforms and integrations, I mean, that's something that Apple and Amazon have both made moves and made investments towards doing um uh, obviously amazon with their halo apple with um upgrades to the apple watch and they they want to be the operating system on which you live your life and yep. that is that is where they position themselves um and for them there is literally no bounds to that um you know amazon looking at, at, at prescription drugs and things like that so there's there's just they don't see a limit to that so of course health fitness would be there, but I don't think that that will quite fit for a lot of people in the market, um, especially if you're talking about, um, say, like high school, youth, elite, collegiate, um, and you say, oh, we're going to onboard you onto Apple. It doesn't It doesn't quite, you know, in terms of where that fits, you need something that is is standalone and, and does have boundaries. Isn't this just open, massive platform? Um, to be able to do that. So that'll be interesting to see if, if how that comes in the next, probably the next, I think in the next 12 months, because it's not necessarily um, new, it's new innovation in a way, but it's it's just taking all the elements that are there and putting them together. It's not saying, hey, we're missing like one peer to this. It's actually just kind of integration and stuff. But I mean, that that's probably I, I the next think, 12 months. I think we have a better view of humans than we ever have done um on mass at the elite end down to the you know probably too much detail to to your average person is is we have more information around them um i think people are more interested in health fitness and wellness than they have been i think there's data to back that up um not necessarily that everyone's doing a ton about it but that there's certainly sort of people there is i think there's there's a lot on gen z um and sort of you know their their interest in fitness and wellness so i think there is this kind of bubbling undertone of that and and how we can we can piece it together is is i think going to be an opportunity for for someone uh in in the next 12 to 24 months uh, around how how they can can look to do that to to yeah provide value for people um yeah consolidation of the market as a whole yeah like there's you know 
every man and his dog did a fitness startup connected fitness at, at some point during the pandemic, it seemed like. So uh, that will obviously pan out. Um, and I think there'll be a trimming of that, whether it's joining or just different. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I think I think it will quite look quite different in in 12 months. Um, I think you're so, so jumping in there. So it looked quite different in 12 months. What about that, say, 24 to 36 months? Like, let's let's we've gone on what where the trends have gone where they haven't eventuated what's next and that can be either something you think will happen or something you would like to happen um so you know products tech adoption changes in practices within the industry what's where do you where do you want to see this going where do you think this is going to be going yeah i would probably give them a a slightly different answer maybe four to six weeks ago but um i'm pretty bullish on some of the chat gpt stuff and and the idea of natural language and our ability to to kind of converse with that i think there's going to be a lot of companies in the next 12 months that sort of jump on that as an opportunity from open ai to build um intelligent fitness and sport related products in, in terms of the ways that they can do that. So I think there's can definitely- you just, Can you just outline for people that don't know ChatGPT, which is a lot of fun and depending how you look, it can also be terrifying. Can you just outline like what that is and, and how it's relevant to fitness? I'm not even sure I fully understand it by any stretch of the imagination, but what I understand is they've trained a natural language, um, you know, AI thing. So it talks to me like, probably better than you and I are talking, especially with our strange accents. Yes. Um, but essentially you can type it in. You can, it's some like Google on steroids is how someone kind of kind of things. I can say, you know, write me an essay on, and I have done this on hypo, hypertrophy, muscle building. Um, and what are the most important factors? And it will write me. And I say, I don't like that one, write it again. And it will give me a different version of it or write me a marketing script or write me, write me anything. Um, write me code to be able to do something. And it, it kind of converses in a very user-friendly language. From a training program prescription with the right training um, and the right parameters, you could imagine write me a training program for an ACL injury when this you know, cofactor has happened or based on a score of that can do that and, and engage with it on that way. So I think that's, that's potentially really interesting. Um, I don't think it's coming anytime in the next six months, and, and it's certainly going to have to go through its adoption and working out phase. And I think we have to be a little conscious of how much we, we build it. But I think that's that could be potentially you build that into products and fitness and sports tech products. Um, I think that could be really interesting from a user point of view. Um, you know, we know the drivers of whether for internal motivation, intrinsic motivation, whether you're an elite athlete or just, you know, a regular person like me at home working out are related to connectedness. Like, do I feel part of something, whether that's remote or in person? Um, do I feel I'm competent um, and that I have the skills to do something? Um, and, and do I have autonomy? Do I have decision making? Uh, in this process and what something like ChatGPT, it hits a lot of those boxes. And so it keeps me motivated. Okay, I have the autonomy to, to ask this you know, machine what I should do and kind of things and give me, and I can then go back to it. So I have opted, it's giving me information. So it's building my competency around that. And then, you know, it's building, it's got this whole connected, I guess, world around it. So I, th I think in, uh, technologies like that, in integrating into sports tech and fitness tech could be- So would is that the answer then? Is that the answer to what we talked about before, the kind of thing that hasn't eventuated or the trend that hasn't quite hit in terms of the ability to actually give feedback? 
Like, is is that is that where that fits in? Is that that piece of the puzzle? Maybe you could design whether it's on ChatGPT or some other version that I've never heard of, or kind of things. But maybe you could design natural language programming to give that feedback in a more of a authentic coaching voice, yeah. um, and and to be able to do that. I think that's. That, that makes a lot of sense to me, but there's probably technical challenges with doing something like that. Oh, um, no, we're just, we're just talking about AI and just, and very, very yeah, yeah. expensive, uh, complex, uh, computer engineering, but no, we've solved it. So yeah, yeah. T- tomorrow we'll, we'll have that launch though. I can see my yeah. Raj Ra, VP of data science, just laughing his head off at me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's easy. It's just a couple of lines of code, but yeah, yeah no, exactly. I think. I think design, yeah, natural, natural language to give, be the voice of coaching, actually the voice of coaching within technology and within sport. Um, I, I think it's part of this that I think that the trend is, and, and we touched on it before, is, is how do you scale expertise? Um, there is only, you know, so much whether an elite sports team and whether it's there's just not enough qualified people or you just don't have enough resources to afford those qualified people. Um, scaling expertise becomes super valuable in sports tech and fitness tech and i think technologies that allow us to scale expertise um, are going to become are already and are going to continue to be uh, super important in both those spaces um and i think yeah i think companies that that figure out how to do that really well will be positioned um very nicely in the future yeah yeah i think that's a that's a good way to put it and, and potentially a good note to end on. I mean, are there, are there any other things that you want to share um, about the work you're doing at Tonal? Or I know that you're also, um, you're starting to kind of, uh, I guess, pull back the curtain a little bit on some of the things that you, you know and sharing that more um, on Instagram and LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd like, you know, I, I've been doing this 20 or so years in, in one form or another. And, you know, I, I'd quite often, you know, we, we've met at various conferences around the world where I, I'd go and speak and share what US ski team or the Canadian Olympic team is doing. And in the last couple of years, like I've kind of been head down a little bit, um, focusing on this, this word of the startup word. And, and so I kind of made this New Year's resolution, but I was never very patient. So I kind of brought it forward to, to start sharing. I, I, I think uh, I have some fairly unique experiences from you know there's there are some of these i'm not the only one but have made the transition from you know relatively high profile senior roles in in elite sport to relatively high profile senior roles in in the startup and and sort of fitness world and particularly you know within tonal which is sort of you know i would say later stage startup kind of piece not we're not not a series a or a seed company anymore and so it's kind of there and so i think it's been really i've most enjoyed in the last year 18 months two years since i made the switch just learning this new world um and seeing the um the similarities and the differences the crossovers the principles that we've used in elite sport and building teams and how they might or might not apply um i've learned a ton still don't know much but uh, around you know product market fit audiences knowing your customers what does that look like you know what's drivers of adoption and quicker sales cycle funnels and stuff and so yeah i just sort of thing so i made a conscious effort that i i try and share some of that on on linkedin as i move forward some sort of interesting pieces um around that and then on on instagram was more just sort of training science it's funny like i that's my, my master's is in exercise physiology i was a bad strength coach for a while but the science of training has kind of been was probably my first passion and 
um, being back at Tonal and leading a performance team, I don't get to work on it every day, but I've been much closer to that kind of training science and I get to work with, you know, really some awesome experts like Brad Schoenfeld and Stacey Sims and Marcus at P3 and David Martin, um, former of the 76ers. And so they're on my advisory board, so I get to talk to them. And so I was like, well, I'll, in Instagram, I'll, I'll share some of my sort of training ideas and some of the things that I'm seeing in the research literature and, and stuff like that. So yeah, just, uh, I don't know, we'll see how long it lasts, but so, uh, enjoy sharing some stuff um, and hopefully it's of some use to someone. Fantastic, yeah. And I mean, to your point around um, use resolutions and in terms of inherent uh, behaviour motivations, if you if you want to do it, don't wait till New Year's. Like, yeah. just do it now. If it's that important, waiting until the arbitrary date of January 1st doesn't, uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I commend you for that. And I think that it will, it will continue because you've, uh, you've done it like that. And that's also why we do these sessions. I mean, and why we host the podcast and why we do that is just having fantastic conversations with people like you at conferences and, and, you know, behind the scenes and, and just chatting around the world and, and our consulting clients and stuff like that. And then going, well, this is some goodness that we would love to share. Um, so definitely understand where that comes from. And, and on that note, would like to say thank you so much for your time, Troy. Um, it's been a pleasure. We will be really releasing this as a podcast soon. Sports Tech Feed, um, uh, follow that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, also, Sports Tech World Series on LinkedIn, obviously. Um, we have newsletters going out as well, following on that. Uh, you can follow me, Tom Salomes, um, the SVP Market Insights at STWS. Uh, occasionally share interesting tidbits that I see, potentially some stuff from Troy as well in the future. Uh, and then, of course, following uh, Troy Taylor on LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah, strength, strength Science Troy on Instagram, Troy Taylor on LinkedIn. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me back on for number three. Yeah, fantastic.